Welcome to this podcast of sermons at CUNY United Methodist Church. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark, the fifth chapter. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said, Talitha Kuam, which means, Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. May we receive a blessing in the hearing of these holy words. Celebrate new life. We've been looking at celebrating over the weeks of this worship series. We're celebrated diversity in hearing how we are stronger together. We've celebrated unity, the ways that we need each other, and that cure for the social isolation we all suffer. We celebrated promise, and that God's promise is the cause, and our faith is the effect. And today, we celebrate new life. Last week, we heard about Abraham, and about how God's promise to Abraham was that that central formation event of the Hebrew people. That for the Jewish people, it was their source of identity. Well, the central formation event for Christians is the resurrection. That that rising to new life. It is the source of our identity, the resurrection of Christ. Up until the resurrection, Jesus was a great teacher the best teacher. He was a great prophet. He was the best prophet. He was a great healer. He was a great, he was the best healer. But when he rose from the dead, everything changed. Eschatologically, it was the culminating battle between God, the author of life, and Satan, the author of death, and God won. God won conquered death. For Christians, it is the ultimate confirmation that this one who we knew, who taught and healed and spoke the word of God was actually God. God with us, the incarnation of the divine. Pretty soon we're going to celebrate an entire Christmas season celebrating that God came to be one of us. That God was born, that God lived as a human person, that God walked among us, and fully divine, fully human, 
and fully divine. In the resurrection, we get pulled into that incarnation, that life of God, that resurrection, and we are the people of new life. And so we celebrate. There are many stories in the gospel of new life, and today we heard one of them. Gail, well, actually, we, Gail shared with us the third part of a three-part story. In the kids' message, we heard uh, the whole story. Jesus had just returned from across the sea. A man came up to him, an important man, a ruler, we're told, a ruler of the synagogue. He was one of the elite. He was probably wearing a Louis Vuitton suit and a Rolex watch. His name was Jairus. And he fell to the feet of Jesus. There's Jesus standing. And there's this ruler kneeling in front of him. Begging Jesus to come heal his daughter. He had faith. He trusted that Jesus was capable of healing his daughter and that Jesus would do it. And so Jesus goes with him. And it was pretty exciting, so the crowds followed. You know how I like to get art for you. And you know what? I really could not find a piece of art of Jesus standing and Jairus kneeling at his feet. I found a few of both standing and a few of both kneeling. But I couldn't find a good one of Jesus standing and this ruler kneeling. Our social standing is so ingrained in us that we have trouble imagining someone that important kneeling, even kneeling before Christ. Well, that was part one. Now comes part two. I could find art for part two. Along the way, Jesus encountered a woman. She encount- he encountered a person, another person with faith. This was a hemorrhaging woman. She was the opposite of an important person. She was not elite. She was probably wearing secondhand clothes that had been worn bare. She needed healing, and she had no male member of the family to help her, to care for her, to ask Jesus for her. And so she reached out herself. She approached Jesus herself. It sounds like, you know, female empowerment, and maybe it was, but no one in Jesus' time would have seen it that way. The original hearers of the Gospel of Mark wouldn't have, and the people there at that healing would not have seen it that way. Because they would have seen it not as a sign of her empowerment, but as a sign of her destitution. First century Palestine was an honor-based society. We have honor in our society, and if you wonder that, just go to some important event and dress wrong, and you'll feel it. But for them, honor was primary. Honor's not our primary way. Probably our primary way of who's important and who's not is money. For them, it was honor. Honor determined, determined a person's rightful place in society. It was their social standing. It, it was their claim to worth. And 
men and women had different roles in maintaining and establishing honor. The man's role was to defend the honor of the family to others, to the outside. And a woman's role was to defend the honor of the family internally by preserving group boundaries. So the rightful place of a woman in that culture was in private life. And men in the family were the ones that were their rightful place was public life. This hemorrhaging woman, she was suffering and she had no male relative to go do his part, to take his rightful role, so she had to do it. She had to assert herself in public. And she did. And Jesus stopped. He was on his way to an important person's house, a person with honor, and he stopped for a person with no honor. And it appears that he wasn't really paying much attention to the honor, but he was paying a lot of attention to faith because here he encountered another person who trusted that he was capable of healing and that he would do it. And he did. She just touched his clothes. And she was healed. And then she drops to the feet of Jesus, just like Jairus had done. And then Jesus says something to her powerful. He says something honor-laden. He called her daughter. He called her daughter. This woman who had no male relative to go advocate for her, he calls her daughter. And then he honors her for her faith. That was part two. Now we get to part three, the part that Gail shared with us. We're back to the important guy, to Jairus, the ruler, the one who was taking Jesus to heal his daughter. Jesus had been interrupted by this other healing, and he had lollygagged too long. A messenger arrives and says, Jairus, your daughter is dead. Your daughter has died. But Jesus, new life personified, he ignores the report of death. And he tells Jairus to do the same. He says, have faith, believe. And Jairus did. Jairus trusted that Jesus was capable still of healing his daughter and that Jesus would do it. And so they kept going. And when they arrived, the crowds were there doing what mourners do, crying and wailing. And when Jesus said, the child is not dead, they laughed at him. They did not think he was capable of healing her or that he wouldn't do it. They did not have faith. And so Jesus goes to where the child was and he takes those with him who had faith, Jairus and the child's mother and Peter and James and John. He took with him the ones who trusted that he could heal her and that he would do it. He touched her on the hand 
And he spoke Aramaic to her. Talitha koum. And we're told what this means. It just means, little girl, I say to you, get up. We're told what it means so that we don't think he was doing a magical incantation. These are just normal, everyday Aramaic words. And she got up. This girl who they thought was dead or who looked dead, she got up and she walked around and she was alive and they were completely astonished. Completely astonished, even though they trusted. They saw with their own eyes this girl walking around and healing and healed. They were completely astonished. The Greek is ecstasy, which means to stand outside of or to transcend, ecstasy. It is the root of our word ecstasy. Ecstasy's original meaning was a mystical vision of God or, or a mystical union with God. They were completely astonished. Mark uses ecstasy one other time in his gospel. And it is in chapter 16 when the women go to the tomb and they are told Jesus has risen from the dead and they were completely astonished. Ecstasy. It was a new life. A new life outside of anything they could have ever imagined. Their lives touched by the divine, infused by the life of God, completely astonished. That life that Jesus gave them, that healing, it was more than just restoration to what had been. It was something new. It was new life that he gave them. Jesus healed their bodies and he confronted the social order, that ranking that was determined by honor. In Jesus, there is a new social order where the lowly cast out are liberated and nobility are snatched from death, where the last will be first and the first will be last. In the kingdom of heaven, this new life that we celebrate. It's not just tweaks on the old life. It is something completely new. It's not just the old body, but a knee that functions now. It is something completely new, completely astonishing. It's that kind of, after that kind of closeness with the divine, being infused with the life of the divine, we are not the same. We are transformed in new life. That's what Jesus gave them then, and that's what Jesus gives us now, a new life, a transformed life. Some of us already know what new life means. We have received new life. When we've lived with the black dog of depression, and then there is laughter. New life. When we've lived in the prison of addiction and then there is sobriety and recovery, there is new life. 
when we have when we've endured the emptiness of infertility and then there is a baby by being matched for adoption or pregnancy at 40, there is new life. When we've received, when we've heard the death sentence of cancer and then the pain is gone and the CT scan comes back clean, there is new life. When we have been imprisoned, immobile after a stroke and then our bodies heal until we drive. There is new life. When we have been confined, incarcerated, and then we are redeemed, set free, there is new life. When we have lived with the anguish of homelessness and then we walk across the threshold of a home for us, there is new life when we have been threatened and told to keep your place, and then we are welcomed and celebrated, there is new life, new life that Christ gives us. The new life that Christ gives us, it is about healing and thriving and freedom to be the very best that we can be, about being who we were created to be. And God gives us new life over and over and over as we are as we are given freedom and God cures and we are nurtured and we are healed and we find that our lives matter we are given life we are given celebration we celebrate new life we celebrate something completely amazing as we and celebrate, we rejoice like the words of St. Paul in the letters to the Philippians we've been studying on Monday nights. And Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice. Celebrate diversity, celebrate unity, (coughs) celebrate promise, and celebrate new life. Celebrate and rejoice. Would you pray with me? Lord God, you give us new life. You restore us. You build us up. You completely astonish us as you touch our lives with your own and and you give us new life. Lord, for those of us who today, for those who need healing, Lord, we pray for new life. Lord, for those who are celebrating new life today, Lord, we celebrate. Lord, we ask for eyes to see and ears to hear so that we feel, we experience your healing, your resurrection, your 
call to new life. We pray this all in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is preached almost always by our pastor, Reverend Mia Crosswaite. Unit United Methodist Church is a community on a mission to make disciples for the transformation of the world. To support this podcast and the missional priorities of this church, go to cunaumc.org and click on Give. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you things. Thank you.